Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Spaces. This is brought to you by CME Group. They are the sponsor of our podcast on the tape podcast. It drops every Friday. We had a great episode on Friday. We do it with Danny Moses. He is our partner in crime. He is of the big short fame. You probably know him from the movie, the book guys never watched it or read it. Um, we had Jeff Mills, who is our friend um, from Bryn Mawr Trust. He's also a fast money participant. Mills. He was on the show on Friday. So check it out, download it, rate it, review it, share it, definitely subscribe to it. That's called On the Tape. Uh, yeah, but hold yeah. on a second, Dan. Can I just yeah, say one right. thing? If you're going to rate it, don't, don't bludgeon us. Either <laughs> give it a good rating or don't bother. It's- can I do that? No, no, you can do that. You know what? Maybe if you actually have a funny bludgeoning, we'll read it on the podcast, you know, like the mean tweet sort of thing. Um, so that was Tom Sweeney. That's our friend. He is a Hoya. We were just talking about uh, Georgetown beating Syracuse in hoops down at the Cap Center. Not something they used to do too much when the Syracuse was in the Big East, to be very frank with you. Um, got no, it, that's Donnie. actually patently okay. false. That's just All right, let's true. get to it because this is like a really, really interesting marketing uh, market day guy right now. Now, I mean, we were um, going back and forth about what we're going to talk about on CNBC's Fast Money later today, and uh, this seems obvious, okay? If you've been in the markets a long time, on a day that literally all morning on Squawk Box, they were tracking pre-market, whether Apple was trading close to that $3 trillion market cap number, and then during that period of time, Time Magazine came out with their person of the year, and it was Elon Musk. And so you put those two things together, the little Apple pre-market bug of $3 trillion, and then you think of the Elon Musk being anointed Times Person of the Year, which is great. I, I, you know, makes sense to me. I got no, I got no gripes there. But think about those two things together. The mother of all tops, Guy Donnie. Talk to me about it. Well, those are clearly. I mean, they say nobody rings a bell at the top. <laughs> well, they rang something to, with that. And I don't know. I mean, we'll see if, if if history repeats itself. Wasn't it Jeff Bezos? Did you mention? Nineteen ninety nine, guy. I mean, nineteen ninety nine. He was made. And we all we all seem to remember what happened in the aftermath of that. So who who knows? But I will say, people get so excited about this stuff. I mean, in terms of Apple and three trillion, I guess that's a big deal. Um, I would say. Think about how long it took him to get to a trillion. Think about the speed in which it got from one to two and now from two to three. I guess at a certain point, it gets easier, right? I mean, just it's a math thing, but it's staggering the speed, especially over the last month or so, the move in Apple. I think it's actually really negative. I mean, it's clearly positive if you own the stock, but I think it speaks to a much bigger problem that's going on. You know, I think that old thing about putting all your eggs in one basket, I don't know where that came from. I don't know who puts eggs in baskets. I think people who are um, egg farmers um, put eggs in baskets. I think that's where it came from. Hey, but listen, Guy, but but to your point about it being really negative, I mean, on October 1st, okay, the stock had just suffered. This is Apple. A pretty sharp sell-off. I think the prior high was, what, 158 or 159, something like that. I I can't remember. And then sold down to uh, $137. Now it's at 180 for all intents and purposes. That's a 30% rise in October, November, and then 
almost two weeks in December, and you do the math on a $3 trillion market cap, um, that, and, and, and the backdrop of that is that if you look at what's going on in the NASDAQ, the devastation in so many groups, whether it be fintech, whether it be some of these kind of pandemic winners in the SaaS space, or, or I mean, social media. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's it's really bad out there. And then the crowding in Microsoft and Apple, which are now five and a half trillion dollars or whatever the hell they are, that's really bearish. Yeah, that's what and that's my point, right? So, and think about to your point, just to, to put a finer point on that. The market cap that that Apple's added over the last two and a half, three months, it's probably close to, I would imagine, four hundred billion dollars or something along those lines. Is that no, right? More. How many it's more? More. All right. So how many how many companies are that size in the first place? And the answer is not a lot. So, you know, it's it's these these moves you have to have context for them. And I think it's important to recognize what's going on. I happen to think, and I think you share this view, as people are just getting out of these high growth, um, high valuation names in droves, I think what for whatever reason, they're trying to find safety in the form of Apple and Microsoft, and it's working now. But to your point, and you've said this a number of times, and I've brought it up as well, um, for the own Apple, don't trade a crowd, and I get it because, you know, as, as we sit here, if you've just owned it and not traded it, you've done well. But there have been anywhere from five or six 25 to 35% peak to trough declines over the last, you know, five or six yeah. years. And again, I'm not suggesting we're on the precipice. I have no idea, but just bear in mind that this stock does go down. Yeah. So. All right. So I'm going to hit a couple things here real quickly, guy. Let's just kind of breeze through them. Cause I, again, I, I can't tell you people who, by the way, call me the breeze was a great song that JJ Kale wrote, but obviously made very popular by the great Leonard Skinner. Call me the breeze. Anyway, please. Back but to you YouTube. digress. Um, you had this really great call as Tesla was approaching its prior all-time high from January. Okay, remember it had that huge run late summer into the fall. We're getting to their Q3 earnings report. The stock closed that day at a new all-time high above 900. You thought it was going to break out. Not only did it break out, it went from like 905 or something straight to its all-time high in a matter of weeks at 1243. Well, here we are, guy. It's at 961. And we've always said mm -hmm. that this was going to really be one of the last battles fought in this market right here if it closed where it is today this will be the the lowest close since that breakout in late october okay and you thought that it was going to come back to 900 if it goes back to 900 now you could say that is like epic epic technical support there right because you know you had that kind of um, breakout from that prior high but kind of aren't all bets off at that point, man? Isn't this stock, stock really broken? And when you consider a couple things, the sentiment regarding Elon Musk, but also how much stock he has sold over the last few months. You could say that was kind of adding fuel to the fire here, but this story might be broken for a while. It's interesting. I got so much, the vit, I get, you know, the vitriol on Twitter is astounding, but you, know, you say something, first of all, you say something negative about, you could say something negative about somebody's kids and they wouldn't care. You say something even remotely negative about Apple and they come out of the woodwork. And I found it to be the same in Tesla over the last couple of years. And to your point, I, you know, I was pretty bullish in Tesla for quite some time leading up to earnings. And I said exactly what you said, I said, and then you know, subsequently, when the stock was, I think, 1100 or something, I said, look, I think the stock's going to go back and test the prior all-time high of $900.30, I think. 
And the nastiness that came on the back of that is it's astounding. Well, we're close. So to your point, past uh, resistance becomes support. I think we'll find it in the form of that. But further to your point, if we were to break there, then you have to wonder, you know, what's the next level? And what does it mean not only for Tesla, yeah. but what does it mean for Kathy Wood's ARK ETF and things we've talked about, which, by the way, as we've said a number of times, she's brilliant and her performance over the last six years cannot be uh, denied whatsoever. But over the last few five, four or five months, I think all but two of her stocks in that ARK ETF and at me if I'm wrong are down 20 percent or more. Yeah. Well, I'll just say this. You know, Tesla is her largest holding in that ETF at eight, eight and a half percent or so. And the way that she trades in and out of the name, she might really not be doing as well as that 36 percent year to date gain on the stock. So so I don't know some of you guys who follow it, but then the next largest holdings are Roku, Teladoc, Zoom, Coinbase, Unity Software, Spotify, Twilio. Yep. I mean, it is a shit show um, to say that. Thank you. Did you say Roku? Roku's number two. No, Roku's number two. Yeah. Um, sh- no, it's, 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 it's incredible. It's, it's remarkable, actually. And again, what I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, you know, nail Kathy Wood's ARK ETF, but I think it speaks to a much bigger thing. I mean, to me, that's a real market sentiment yeah. indicator in terms of the retail trader. And, you know, these names are giving it up. Now, we're, we're sort of, I guess we're blinded by the move in a broader market and how strong that's been. And I understand yeah. that. But if you look again under the surface beneath the hood, under the hood, you'll see that there are a lot of really bad. All right, here's another out. one. And I, and I know it's just from a sentiment standpoint, it's interesting. Look at AMC. It's down 16% today. Yep. Okay. Yep. And this stock is basically trading at levels it has not traded at since late May. Okay, when it really broke out. Now, if we're talking about breakout levels, like we were just talking about Tesla, the high from January was 20, and then it got killed, and then it spent a bunch of time in and around 10. It was trading like one of these SPACs, and then it went berserk, and it broke out at 20, and it had that moonshot up to 70, and here we are. So if are we going to bookend this year with the with the with the meme stocks, the initial explosion to start the year off and then these things just go back to where they are and also mention that GameStop is down 14 percent as we speak to. Again, this just speaks to what's going on as far as retail stock market sentiment, because, you know, GameStop is also trading at levels that it was not trading at since I think early August. So I answer your question. The the answer to the first part, will we round trip? I think the in my opinion, the answer is yes. Now, this is going to I'm sure this has created a lot of a consternation amongst some of the Wall Street bets Reddit crap. But I'll say it anyway because I've said it for a while. The bull case for so many people has been the short interest in the name, and something I've been saying for months is look, you can be bullish in AMC because you think their their business model is changing or the the environment's changing or you believe in their CEO, any number of things. But the short case is not one of them. What I pointed out is that stock for weeks, if not longer, was averaging 100 million shares of volume a day, which gave adequate volume and adequate opportunity for any shorts to cover over a broad swath of time. So, you know, there might be a lot of reasons to be bullish in AMC. The short thesis, in my opinion, is not one of them. And then I'll say this. There's also a faction of people that somehow believe, I think this is misguided as well, that as long as they own the stock, it can't go lower. And I've heard that, by the way. So it's not just me. So as long as they hold is what you're saying. As long as they hold. Yeah, 
you know, just sort of, it's sort of like Diamond a, a brave part thing, you know, hands. hold the yeah. line and everything's going to be okay. Well, that's really not how it works. I hate to tell you. So, you know, I think the AMC story for the, for now, at least, you know, they can throw all the blank against the walls they want now and NFTs and Bitcoin and milk duds and Twizzlers, but what are you talking about? That, the, the stock story. Did you is just over. get hungry or something like that? All right. So no, when I go to the movies, um, you haven't been to the movies since you saw Goodfellas in like ninety or something like that. Let's be frank. It's an excellent point by you. But Milk Duds, by the way, the Milk Duds in some of these theaters might be from the nineties. I hate Milk duds? duds. I think they're disgusting. I love Milk Duds. Um, this this podcast, uh, in addition to CME, brought to you by Milk. Fair duds. enough. All right. Please. So let's talk crypto here, guy, because right now. We're in the throes of a little bit of a sell-off here. Bitcoin in particular traded as high as 69000 I think, at the start of November. Um, Ethereum traded as high as like 4860 or so. Um, ETH. These you things are they're, they're in a little bit of a sell-off. I will tell you that I spent the weekend – I probably spent five or six hours this weekend listening to some Twitter spaces of the um, NFT crowd. And I, I actually find them fascinating, to be very honest with you, because I think these are – People that are talking about financial assets that have no experience with financial assets from like the way you and I do, right? The way we think about investing or trading or risk management or anything like that. And I'm not criticizing it by, by, by any means. I'm actually learning a lot about perceived value and, and what these, but, but I will tell you this. I've never seen such universal enthusiasm about a brand new asset class as I have as far as NFTs. And we don't know how they stand in the test of time. You know, this year was, you know, again, was kind of bookended by we started the year in February. You had that Beeple, um, that sale for $69 million. Um, and then people thought, well, that was it. That was the top. Um, but we saw an explosion of NFTs in all different um, types of art form, primarily these PFPs. You know what those are, right, guy? Uh, yeah, the profile pictures. They're my yeah. favorite. I have a few of those in my in my in my right. money my money. But, but those things are not. I mean, those things are not slowing down. And and I guess my point is, let's see what happens if we see. Um, some of this negative sentiment about some of these retail-owned things, whether it be meme stocks, SPACs, recent IPOs, NASDAQ in general, if they sell off, what happens, A, to crypto? Because we do see, um, you know, it, you know, uh, Bitcoin's down 20000 from its 69000 high right now. Thirty, It's 30%. It's a 30% move. Right. But then the, the tax thing, no guys. So this is the other thing. I spent some time last night on um, a Twitter Spaces where they had some crypto tax experts talking about it. A lot of these people have no idea. They may have to sell a lot of stuff to raise a lot of cash. And so to pay taxes, literally there was one guy who got on there. You ready for this? And asked a question of one of these tax people. And he said, what is the government going to do with the taxes I pay on my NFTs? Are they going to invest it in the metaverse? I mean, the fact that, that this guy or whoever, and this is not representative of the audience, there was a lot of really, really smart people but like, no, that's not how governments work. They collect taxes and then they build bridges or pay firemen or whatever the hell they do. Um, so I think that was really interesting. So I think there's something going to happen in the not so distant future in crypto. I like to keep dry powder. I like to buy dips in ETH. Um, and I've also bought some NFTs, which I don't feel that great about in general. I, I mean, when I say I don't feel great about it, you better be in there for the community. You better be in there for the identity and you better be buying it with money that you can afford to lose. That's what I'd say. Um, about that. All yeah. right, guy, I want to switch gears to something. 
right, hold yes. on one sec, real quick. Because you brought it up. So just look at Bitcoin yeah. for you armchair technicians. I don't know if Helene is here or not, but you know, look where we topped out at in April of this year. I think it was what north of sixty three thousand. And then look at the recent high in Bitcoin. I understand it's probably, you know, eight percent higher than that. But you know, there's a real that you look at that chart and say, hmm, that doesn't look particularly promising. Double top, and then you say, all right, where can we go down to? And I would submit the July low, which you remember well, of about thirty-one. Did it even break yeah, thirty thousand? Twenty-nine-ish. Yeah, right around thirty thousand. So just that to me is. You know, uh, it is sitting right on its 200-day moving average, uh, which I think is really interesting. Um, So I'm well; those those hodlers better start hodling. Well, the one thing I'll just tell you is that the relative strength of ETH versus Bitcoin is one of the things I find most interesting. And if it can hold up, if Ethereum or if if Bitcoin really is in the throes of, let's say, a 50% peak to trough decline, then that will be really um, interesting. All right, let's go to something that's near and dear. Ranger hockey. I'm no. glad you finally So what I wanted to go out. to is because Jamie Dimon spent a lot of time over the last few years basically um, shit-talking Bitcoin here. What mm-hmm. I will tell you this, though. Look at this J.P. Morgan chart. Draw a line from the January 2nd or 3rd low of this year, okay? And that Amanda will do that on, tra- yeah. on our trading And then space literally here, just so. make a trend line and attach it to the September low and then get to this cluster in November here in December. The stock is below that uptrend, and it is below its 200-day moving average. And it really feels like it's got 150 written all over it. Now, to me, this is a function of what yields, Guy. We have that 10-year at 142, and I know we're not supposed to look at the 10-year. We're supposed to look at the 2-year at 63. But you do that 210 spread, what do you get, Guy? You can do that math. It's like 78.5-ish or something like that. It's flattening, good or bad for banks. Okay, um, because everyone's focused on net interest margins and rising yields. The 10 year cannot get out of its own way here. And there's some funky yeah. stuff going on right now. Give it to me. Well, I think as Danny, Danny Moses has said, maybe maybe we're incorrect in looking specifically at the 10 year. Maybe it should be the two year. But I don't want to change horses mid races. They say I'm going to be steadfast in my belief that I get it. I mean, 10 year yields, to your point, have gone nowhere now for months. I mean. They vacillated, but they're basically, if you go back and look at where we were and where we are now, here we are, exactly the same level. I don't understand for the life of me what the 10-year yield's looking at. I mean, I think I can get it. Maybe there's a growth scare going on. But to your point about banks, yeah, you're right. They haven't traded particularly well. So now you're looking for a level that J.P. Morgan can trade down to. And I would submit, because I just like saying that, that that prior all-time high back in January of 2020 before – Things went pear-shaped. I think J.P. Morgan traded up to about 139 or something in January of that year. That's your support. And, you know, people say there's no shot of it getting back down there. Yeah, there is. There's a good shot, especially if the two tens continues to go, continues to flatten out. And then quickly, because I know you want to move on, but one of the banks that just – I can't get over how horribly it trades. I think you know the answer to this. That would be letter C which is now trading $60. I think it traded down below 60 today. The 52-week low is 57 and change. I mean, that is remarkable how poorly shitty. Yeah, trades. I guess there's some exposure to Evergrande there. Um, I want to just I want to do two things. Um, there's a friend of mine, Keith Grossman, who I've gotten to know over the last few months, who I am a KG. I call I'm him a KG. huge fan of, and he is the president of Time. I got to sit down with him and P Mac, Packy McCormick, as you like to say, at Zeta yeah. Live um, last month, and we talked about 
that's my friend david steinberg's company well here's the thing i i want i'd love keith to come up so we could talk about what's going on um with uh, elon musk being named a time uh, person of the year i'm going to see keith tonight they have a little event over the nasdaq that i'm going to be popping by but but i wanted i wanted to before keith gets up i wanted to make one comment about the jp morgan and and the and the banks and yields and stuff like that guy I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I feel it in my stones and my plums, as the kids say here. Wait, the wait ten year, I, I've the never ten heard year, that. I don't know what kid. The you're ten talking year about. is really telling you that the the Fed has just gotten this thing. They have gotten all turned around, man. The fact that they pulled. Oh, but hold on, on a second before yeah. you start waxing poetic about the geniuses I'm that not- are the. <laughs> Look at read that Kevin Ward. I read it. You sent it to me. I don't like the title. Yeah. I don't know who his editor is because it's not the main reason. The Fed is not the main reason for inflation. Okay. The main reason for inflation right now is a black swan event called C19 that no one saw coming here and no one knew what the hell was going to happen here. The Fed did what they were supposed to do back in February and March of 2020. The problem is they kept their pedal on the metal for too long. Why the hell were they buying $120 billion worth of bonds You know, at, at one point after they saved this or that? I'm telling you the story of next year is going to be going from basically – Issues with it's not going to be an issue of demand. It's going to be an issue of oversupply. That's my personal opinion. That's what I think the ten year reflects here. I think the story of next year is going to be like, wait a minute, what did we do with those trillions of dollars? Why did we keep doing it? And the Fed dropped transitory, probably at the exact high of inflation. Yeah, you know what? Too bad. Okay. I mean, too okay. freaking right, bad. Two things. So Keith is up here. I'd love our audience to hear from Keith a little bit. Two topics here, and I was just saying that I spent a lot of time. Um, over the weekend, listening to a lot of great spaces on NFTs. But then we were also talking about Elon Musk being named to person of the year. Keith is a longtime um, publisher. He worked at Bloomberg for years. He worked at Wired Magazine back in the day. He's a genius young man. He's not even that young. Um, but he's he's helming time right now. He's pushed really hard into NFTs. He's done a lot of interesting stuff. I actually bought one of the NFTs in his timepieces. Go check out timepieces. They had um, this artist in residence, the Nyla collection, which is super cool. Keith, are you here? Because hold on, yeah. before Keith speaks, yeah. I just would like to say um, Al Stewart has two great songs: "Year of the Cat," which is a great <laughs> song, and "Time Passages." Back there to you go. Here. All right, Keith, let's 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 hear from you, man. You guys just named you named Elon Musk Person of the Year. Um, where does that? fit as far as your psyche about things in general because he's obviously this massive cultural figure he's not just the ceo of an electric vehicle company he's the ceo of a space company he's the ceo of a flamethrower company um he's seemed to have captivated um you know the imagination of everyone on this planet so sorry i almost got rugs there so first off i am like um a 98 year old <laughs> in a much younger body Mazel tov, my people say thank you thank you and and guy as guy knows dan i was telling guy the other day in the dm that i've 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 watched him and followed him for so many years i'm such a fan of his and so thank you for having me up on stage um so so yeah elon was named person of the year this morning i mean uh you know it's not the one thing people forget is everyone thinks it's an award and it's an acknowledgement, right? It's the person who's had the most impact uh, on society. Um, and when you look at, you know, um, uh, everything that he's done over the past year, 
um, whether it's been, uh, you know, you know, his work with SpaceX, whether it's been, you know, his work on Tesla. Um, I, I think that that you see, like, here's an individual who has just had just an incredible, incredible, incredible amount of of influence. And Edward Felsenthal, our editor in chief, you know, I thought wrote it so eloquently, where he said, "For creating solutions to an existential crisis." for embodying the possibilities and the perils of the age of tech titans, for driving society's most daring and disruptive transformations. Elon Musk is our 2021 person of the year. And so, you know, like I, 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 I always love this, this acknowledgement because um, I tell everyone beforehand that I have no clue who it's going to be until this yeah. morning. Um, nobody believes me, including my wife. <laughs> um, but I always take that position because if everyone likes it, then I take credit for it. And if everyone doesn't like it, I blame Edward. Um, so if you're really happy, um, you're welcome. If you don't like it, you know, Edward, Edward and team named them. No, but, you know, the, the editors, um, they take this very, 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 very seriously. Um, you know, they, they spend a lot of time. And, um, and I mean, I, I would argue, you know, here is an individual who's just had just an incredible amount of impact on society. Keith, can I ask a quick question? I think I'm fascinated by it. I'm sure the people listening would be. Can you speak to the process? Like, is there a nominating committee? Or, you know, the people that are responsible for, you know, at the end of the day, I guess, voting for the, the, the subsequent person that gets awarded? Sure. So, so I will say that it is, I've been at time for a little over two and a half years. It is the most, um, uh, you know, like when you when you think about like, uh, these like top secret fraternities, like when you what, what's it at at Yale, like uh, a cloak and dagger, right? And like nobody knows what the the, the situation is. At time, it is as close to that as you can get. Um, the editors essentially lock themselves in a room. Uh, they it goes on for um, many many weeks. Um, uh, they all, you know, essentially uh, sign away their life that they will not discuss it with anyone. Um, uh, everyone stays completely mum on it, and then, uh, you know, they debate it and they vote on it. And um, all kidding aside, uh, because in my capacity, my role is really to oversee the business and the strategy and the technological evolution of the brand. Like, even I stay out of it, and, um, and they t it's something that's taken very, very seriously um, by the team. Hey, so Keith, what do you make of, you know, have you heard a lot of comparisons to 1999 when Jeff Bezos was made person of the year? Is that something you've heard so far today? Has it been out there on social media at all? And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about like 20 years on or 22 years on similar sort of like excitement about technology and, and these people being named bookending it. So, so what I, it's, it's such a dance. Like, it, it's one of those weird um, moments. I joke all the time that the only two times that time every year has what I would call its Beyonce moment, where it is just so big, um, is this and what we name uh, Time 100, uh, the Time 100. In this instance, just so you have an idea, last year, uh, Person of the Year did 12.1 billion media impressions. Um, the year before, when it was Greta, it was actually like 16 billion media impressions, but it was because Trump made the comments about her being a 
angry little girl, uh, you know, if you remember that. And, um, and it set off like a, a firestorm. Um, I, I actually don't even look at Twitter right now. Um, I, I stay so focused. I see glimpses of it, but like I'll, yeah. I'll really look at it in like a day or two after everything sort of settles down. Yeah, but, but my, 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 is he going to be, wait, he's going to be there at the event? Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I can't wait. I'll see you there, man. I, l- listen, listen. You're, you're. I, we really appreciate you dropping in here. Um, I can't wait to be there tonight. Thank you for for having me there. It's an exciting thing. Listen, I, I as far as I'm concerned, you know, this sort of choice encapsulates the zeitgeist of the moment. It's not a reflection on your editorial board or this and that or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you are the lens of that. So, hey, listen, Amanda's going to um, post a conversation that I had with Keith and Packy McCormick back in November. Um, check it out. You guys want to hear Keith pushing into NFTs and, and kind of under his stewardship what's going on at time. Check it out. We'll have more with Keith. We hope to have Keith on, on the tape podcast um, next year. Keith, thanks for joining us. I'll see Damn you tonight, God. bud. Really appreciate it. Have a great one. You're thanks. the man, Keith. Thank Keith's, you. Keith's a badass. I mean, Keith, think about that. Think about how busy he must be today, and he jumps on. That's pretty cool. Dude, That's you know what, guy? You he, literally, he is a huge fan of Guy Adami. I got to tell you, I was a huge fan of Guy Adami before I ever stepped foot on CNBC. You are a legend. You are one of the original, original They should have you, a name for that. Like They should call him like the GOAT. The greatest of all time. Yeah, the OG fast money guy. Oh, we have to have Lily put that in your thing. All right, guys, let's just do a quick wrap here, okay? Because we got the S&P 500 got down about 70 bips. We got the NASDAQ obviously underperforming here about 1.1%. The Russell 2000, the Russell 2000, the small caps, a bit of a disaster here. I mean, you think about it. They're approaching the lows last week. Down about 12% from those recent highs, that false breakout after a massively long um, consolidation. And I just, before Keith came on, we were just talking about listen, you know, when we start to see the sort of behavior right now, I think the Fed got so turned around. I really do. I think we're going to look back and say the policy error that everyone was looking for wasn't about rate hikes, it was that they kept their pedal on the metal for too long as it relates to quantitative easing. And therefore, then they finally succumbed to all the pressure. And you've made this point really well, Guy, for Jay Powell to be renominated, there might have been a little bit of an agreement that he, from a political standpoint, heading into 2022, they needed to take a bit more of a focus on inflation because that's yeah. the one thing that's been holding down the Biden administration or one of the things that's been holding down his numbers. And so he might have done that at the exact high inflation i'm actually going to call it right now no and okay? listen and that's if you and i know you know this i asked steve leesman pretty much that exact question yeah. in a different way last week you know how the first question he's going to get if in fact these numbers start to go the other way is did you ring did you did you shell did you yeah. retire transitory too quickly and and i think you're right they have gotten themselves turned around but the the bigger problem is we put our Blind Faith was a great band for you, Ginger Break, Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, Eric Clapton fans. Great band. I encourage you to go to Tower Records this weekend and pick up one of their albums. But it's a shitty way to live life. And the blind faith that we put in these Fed officials, somehow thinking they're omniscient, um, is really misguided, in my opinion. I'll just leave it at that. Well, it's it's. I don't know if it's blind faith. I oh mean, yeah, it well, is. Well, I mean, just listen. I, I guess my point, guy, is, is that 
if the Fed is now going to be hawkish in the face of what we know, the Omicron thing is not the last COVID scare we're going to have, right? And so what I say is the market didn't really seem to mind. It went down 6%, you know, and there was also at the time where the Fed just kind of all of a sudden got hawkish in the face of something that they usually get really dovish about, right? So if they're going to start getting more aggressive into a slowing economy, right, with interest rates at all-time lows, because you can do the math. If we have a 6.8% inflation print and we have Fed funds basically near zero. Oh, yeah, right? I know how that so, works. Real rates. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Right. So so I guess my point is, and this goes back to um, a tweet that Rosie, uh, David Rosenberg had um, back in, I want to say a month ago, and I got to find this really quickly. I, it was right before he came on our podcast, Dan Nathan. That's right. And he, and he was talking about the last couple of times inflations were at these sorts of highs. The Fed did the exact wrong thing in a way. And here's the tweet. This is from November 11th. So inflation is back to where it was in October 1990 and July 2008. Guess what? The economy was recession bound both times. The Fed's next move was not exactly to raise rates and Treasury bond yields plunge in the coming 12 months. And by a lot. Bob Farrell's rule number nine rings. OK, that's really fast. I think I think Rose is going to be right here. I think the Fed not only did they stay too long and help kind of add fuel to the flyer on inflation, given the bottlenecks and all the supply chain disruptions. But now, okay, now what they've done is they've opened themselves up to really put our economy in a recession. Yeah. And it just seems really goofy to me. So good luck, because that's the one thing the stock market's going to usually you say good, Usually you say good luck, people. That's usually good, good luck, people. But and my, if, you my, think, my, if you think, by the way, and I know you don't think this, but if you think I even have a freaking iota of sympathy for those dipshits, think again. I, I got you, dog. All right. Well, listen, this week we're going to talk about all of it on the tape. Um, I should be I, Fed chair. Can I tell you something? Maybe oh that's what God. I'll do. That would I'll be get, scary. I'll get Keith Grossman to throw my name in the would hat. You Why still, would, it be scary? would you still come on the podcast? <laughs> Hell yeah, I would. Yeah, you would. Um, all right. Well, that's Danny amazing. would love that. And, and, the, and those two cats with the two first names, um, Vinny... Porter, Benny Daniels and Porter, Porter Collins. You, 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 I love those guys, too. we got to have them back on the podcast. All right, this week on the podcast, we have Scott Wapner of the Halftime Stop. Report fame. Yes, he is coming on with us. We're also going to have um, Brady Cobb, who's been on the podcast a bunch. He is a cannabis baller, as Guy Donnie would say. He's going to be joining Danny Moses. They're going to be launching a new podcast on Risk Reversal Media. we got a ton of shit coming out. We're also Whoa. launching We're Whoa. also launching OK Computer in a couple of weeks or over the next week. So look for that content. It's all going to start out in the on the tape feed. So please subscribe to it, rate it, review it, share it, all that sort of stuff. Tune into these. These recordings go into the on the tape feed. So definitely check that and, out if you came into here late. Yeah, they what do. And, and no, I, I got a couple things. Um, for you New York Giant fans out there, if you're of the belief that the Giants should somehow trade these two first round picks, which <laughs> as it stands right now, are going to be number five and seven, I think to seattle for russell wilson just turn in your fandom hat now that would be a disaster one and number two um evan ingram has the the football iq of um of my daughter lily who by the way i love to death but you know yeah she you know, she couldn't she couldn't tell you what a, a lil's card is from a defensive tackle so and he's just brutal it's brutal it's brutal they're drafting it for the their drafts over the last decade have just been an abomination so aside from being fed chair i'm going to be head of scouting 
and drafting for the New York All Giants. All right, and, and, and just to kind of finish that kind of sports talk off a little bit, Danny Moses on the podcast, he went one and one this week, which is kind of shocking. So what is he now, guys? Like 19 and three. 20 and 23. 20 and three. And just so you guys know, in our group chat last night, after he and I went one and one, I was trying to goat him. I wanted to take the Green Bay Packers minus 11 and a half over the hapless Chicago Bears, and he wouldn't do it. I wanted to go for a big, big number, and he wouldn't do it, and it looked like the Bears were going to cover at the half, uh, but that went pear-shaped. Um, all right, listen, Guy, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is Trading Spaces brought to you by CME got to thank Keith Grossman. I mean, come on. we got to thank Keith Grossman. Check out the conversation I had with Keith and PMAC. Thanks to our friend Tom Sweeney for jumping on here, giving us a little – on the, the man on the street about the army Navy game with a exciting ending um, on Saturday. We'll check you guys all back here at one o'clock guy. And I will be on CBC's fast money at five o'clock. Check us out in the podcast stores. Thank you everyone. Later. <laughs>